This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. The clown car of legal fuck-ups that make up the Trump legal team just had a turd thrown into its punch bowl from our favorite farting attorney and drunken buffoon. Yeah, that's right, folks. Rudy Colludi, drunken Giuliani. Let me touch your booby, Giuliani. America's former mayor has admitted in a court filing that he made false claims about Ruby Freeman and Shai Moss, two Georgia election workers who were falsely accused of committing election fraud by former President Donald Trump and his allies. As Politico's Kyle Cheney wrote, Giuliani made the admission in a new court filing in an attempt to ward off further discovery in the case. And I quote, Rudy's stipulation appears intended to ward off further legal pain in this long-running defamation lawsuit, Cheney writes. Judge Howell has already sanctioned him and threatened further penalties for failing to produce documents. He doesn't concede to any damages and still says he has legal defenses to the claims in the lawsuit. But as a factual matter, he admits he said what he said, that it was false and that it could constitute defamation slash intentional infliction of emotional distress. In their complaint, Moss and Freeman accused Giuliani of scapegoating them in a bullshit effort to undermine how votes were counted in Georgia in 2020. His statements about them, which they say are all false, included calling them ballot-stuffing criminal conspirators. Rudy also drew attention to a video of them after the election, which was first posted by the Trump campaign and showed part of a security tape of ballot counting in Atlanta. Giuliani posted on social media and said on his podcast and other broadcasts that the video showed suitcases filled with ballots when it did not capture anything but normal ballot processing, according to their lawsuit and a state investigation. Georgia election officials have debunked Giuliani's accusations of fraud happening during the ballot counting. Now, the mother-daughter duo have been quite vocal about how their lives were destroyed by Trump and Giuliani's claims that they were guilty of election fraud. There is nowhere I feel safe. Nowhere. Do you know how it feels to have the President of the United States target you? Freeman said last year in a video testimony to the House Select Committee that investigated January 6th. Well, yeah, actually I do, and I know exactly what the two of you are feeling. Morse's privacy was destroyed when she learned that Giuliani had accused her mother, Freeman, of passing some kind of USB drive to her like vials of cocaine or heroin as part of an elaborate vote-stealing scheme. In reality, the object in question, yeah, get a load of this shit, it was a fucking ginger mint, she said. In his controversial call, when he was asked Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find votes, Trump attacked Moss 18 times, and the former president called Freeman a professional vote scammer and a hustler. I felt horrible. I felt like it was all my fault, Moss said during her testimony last year. I just felt like it was. It was my fault for putting my family in this situation. And once again, I know exactly what you feel. 
she added that she and her mother are now afraid to even go outside or to the supermarket after getting threats, wishing death upon me, telling me that, you know, I'll be in jail with my mother and saying things like, be glad it's 2020 and not 1920. During Giuliani's disinformation campaign about the vote in Georgia, the FBI recommended Freeman leave her home for her own safety, according to the lawsuit. Now, it appears in a desperate move to stave off even worse sanctions, Rudy has admitted all of it was complete and total bullshit. Now, this is remarkable on its face, and it's the first real admission from Donald Trump's so-called elite strike force that what they were peddling was complete nonsense. But even more so, the admissions opens up a pathway for all manner of damages. Before the admission, Rudy could hide behind the First Amendment and claim in that slurring, lispy voice of his, that's what I believed to be true at the time. Well, not anymore, because Rudy has admitted, you know what he admitted to? To a conspiracy, folks. And this will open the door to include his admission in the racketeering case against Trump. You know what else it does? It also unravels all their prior denials. So this isn't just smoking gun, folks. It's a fucking M16. Rudy, I would kiss you if it weren't that you're so fucking disgusting because you just opened up the door, the Pandora's box, to Donald's troubles even worse than what they actually are. And now back to Indictment Watch 2023. For the third time in almost as many months, Donald Trump is facing, well, yet another criminal indictment, courtesy this time of Jack Smith, who is proving to be a stone-cold prosecutor with balls of steel and a legal mind to put Trump in a cage for the rest of his natural-born life. Before summer ends, Orange Jesus could be the first president in history to face four separate criminal indictments. I mean, the man always liked to do things bigly. I mean, but this goes for his criminal charges as well. Smith's target letter was a stroke of genius, as was his application of the KKK law from the Reconstruction era to charge Trump in conspiring to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person who exercises or enjoys a protected right. In this case, it's called voting. While Smith's investigation is often connected to January 6th, it's highly likely that his investigation will go well beyond the deadly insurrection and include a much broader conspiracy to overturn the election. These efforts contributed to what happened that day, but are also much bigger than that as well. While the House January 6th committee referred Trump for prosecution based on four specific crimes that they believe he committed, Jack Smith is expected to go much further based on testimony he was able to extract from Mark the Moron Meadows and others who refused to testify before the January 6th committee. So expect Meadows to take a starring role in these proceedings. Trump is so fucking panicked by this impending indictment that he is now actually out there fucking begging Congress to save his fat ass from increasing legal peril as his potential indictment on criminal charges related to January 6th looms. In an absolutely unhinged video message this past Tuesday, 
The mango Mussolini sounded less like a strongman and more like a fucking whiny baby as he pleaded with lawmakers to investigate his bullshit claims of retribution for winning the 2020 election and election interference regarding the 2024 presidential election. Congress, if you will, please investigate the political witch hunts against me currently being brought by the corrupt DOJ and FBI, who are totally out of control, Trump said. But it's Trump who is out of control, acting more and more like a man condemned who will do anything to save himself. And how often have I said it is Donald Trump who opened this Pandora's box to the weaponization of the Department of Justice. Shit, just read my fucking book, Revenge, and you'll understand. Now, the video came on the heels of news that disgraced former NYPD commissioner, the asshole Bernie Kerrick, who collected bogus evidence of alleged voter fraud and manipulation for the Trump campaign, has agreed to turn over thousands of documents to Smith's team. The information in those documents could be devastating for Trump, who actually pardoned Kerrick in 2020 for corruption charges and, in turn, set him loose on the election. The quid pro quo could bite Trump in the ass and turn up all manner of malfeasance. And now for the main event. Joining us today is our old friend Harry Littman, the former U.S. Attorney and Deputy Assistant Attorney General. Littman is currently the legal affairs columnist for the Los Angeles Times and a professor of constitutional law at both UCLA and UCSD. Harry can be seen as a legal and political commentator on CBS, NPR, MSNBC, as well as CNN. Littman is also the creator and host of the Talking Feds podcast, so you'd be smart to subscribe to the Talking Feds YouTube channel because it's absolutely fantastic. New episodes are posted daily, and he features the greatest legal minds and tough-as-nails former prosecutors breaking down the legal news and all things Trump indictment. But today, Harry is here with me, with us, to give us the rundown on the pesky target letter and the imminent Trump indictment number three. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, Harry, so let's start today talking about one of my favorite topics, Mark the Moron Meadows. All right. New texts were released recently showing him ridiculing Trump's election lies. Then days after late, you know, later, pressuring Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. So my question to you, how big a role do you believe Meadows will play in a Trump 2020 election indictment? I mean, what do you think that he knows and how badly do you think that it can hurt the former president? Really big topic. And do you think, Michael, he's my, you know, he's Mark Moron Matthews? I, I think of him as, I mean, Meadows, I think of him as Mark Mystery Man Meadows. For, to, to get to your question, he's he's everywhere. He's He is the number one witness, to my mind, of January 6th. These recent uh, 
uh, tweets show him playing as he as he did. He he is like the worst chief of staff of all time. Not only does he never say no, he plays both sides and he he uh, prevaricates. But you're but yeah, this is this is uh, really strong evidence. They have him mocking the notion and he said my son looked into it there's only a couple dead people and then he actually says to raffensberger uh on the you know it's part of the infamous call well our you know he asserts that that in fact there's many more dead people who voted for george and it's a bald uh, lie he's been the reason i i'm um inclined toward mystery man is um He's had, in contrast to everyone in Trump world, really good representation. He does that first uh, release of the the thousand or so emails he chooses. And then George Terwilliger, former deputy attorney general in the department, pulls him back. Uh, they don't they they try to get contempt on him and and it doesn't happen. I can see why I can discuss that if we want to. But I thought the biggest indication of uh, of that this case was coming and was going to be big was when we learned he had testified in the grand jury. So it's a it's a dramatic question. Did Terwilliger actually engineer a deal where Meadows doesn't get charged or is it all a smaller charge? But in any event, he testified in the grand jury, and this isn't like January 6th committee. Uh, he he had to answer everything. They did they did a full forensic on him, and he knows everything. He could he could have convenient uh gaps in memory or try to, you know, cushion things a bit, but he is right there. And it also, by the way, with all the members of Congress who so far haven't figured in. So to my mind. He um, figures in really big. He's a co-conspirator. Whether or not he'll be named is a big question. But nobody knows more. Nobody can bury uh, Trump deeper than Mark Meadows. Just one little point. Remember, he says to um, uh, at the meeting um, about Pence, is it to Cassie? He said, you heard him. He thinks he should be hanged. He thinks it's the right thing. Meadows knows all so far as told nothing except to the grand jury. That's going to be the most powerful stuff, I think, in the indictment when it comes out imminently. Yeah. So I call him the moron simply because 2,319 text messages, all right, were obtained. Now, you appropriately stated that that's not all that exists. That's just what he selectively provided to the panel. But even these 2,319 text messages really go to show you, you know, calling him a moron, I think, is the understatement of the day. It's more like a fucking moron, if you think about it. Listen to some of these minute-by-minute these -minute timelines of these Notable text messages that Meadows sent out and received on January 5th and January 6th. He sent them to um, associates, Republican members of Congress. He sends it to Don Jr. He sends it to Sean Hannity. I mean, this is fucking stupid, especially when every single... Stupid because he's creating a record, you mean? Correct. And correct. And worse than just creating a record... He had to understand that what was going on was absolutely illegal, unconstitutional, un-American, right? So if you want to just fuck up the rest of your life, yeah, 
Do what Michael Cohen did. Why don't you just stand by the side, go shoulder to shoulder with Donald Trump? Because one thing I promise him, the same thing that I said to Walter Nada, the same thing that I've said to everyone across the board, Donald Trump, including his own kids, will throw your ass under the bus on any given Monday and twice on Sunday, right? Any day of the week to protect himself. So here you have Marjorie Toilet Green to mark the moron meadows, 2.30 in the afternoon. And by the way, every single one of them acknowledged that Donald could have stopped the violence at any point in time, but chose not to. So she turns around and she writes, um, last night, Senator Graham told me that I found 100 names of dead voters in Georgia that he would object. I have 100 dead voter names, two exclamation marks. So then she then, I guess he doesn't respond. So she writes, tell President Trump. And Meadows writes to Toilet, send them to him. So then Meadows then sends to her again, do you have Senator Graham's contact? I'm scratching my head. Are you really going to tell me that Mark Meadows doesn't have Lindsey Graham's um, what? That he doesn't have Lindsey Graham's uh, contact information? I mean, for real? I think I have Lindsey Graham's contact That's information, right. right? And then, so then, Toilet turns around and says, "I do." So then, she then says to Meadows, "His cell." Not sure. Meadows then says, to, "Yes." So then. It's now between Sean Hannity to Mark Meadows. I'm very worried about the next 48 hours. By the way, how the hell and why is Sean Hannity involved? He is a Fox News host. Plain and simple. Why is he involved in this in the first place? And then Hannity then again says to Meadows, Pence pressure, White House counsel will leave. How does he have this information before anybody else? I'm not really sure. So then Hannity says to Meadows, sorry, I can't talk right now. So now Meadows is obviously reaching out to Hannity. And why can't he talk right now? He tells him, I'm on with the boss, referring to Donald Trump. So instead of Trump talking to Meadows, he's talking to Sean fucking Hannity. All right. So let me make uh, basically, Mike, I'm with you here. And Meadows is everywhere at all given times. I just want to make a couple like reinforcing points. First, there are people in Trump world. Walt Nauta might be the best example who just want to go down with him because that's their bed. They were in Trump world. That was their only ticket to some kind of power or whatever. Mark Meadows is not that guy. He's the he's the paradigm of someone who wants a future, even if it's only as a well-paid lobbyist. So he's somebody who, you know, would come apart from Trump with pressure, which was applied. That's point one. Point two is, man, he everybody. Well, here's here's point one. A everybody is, including Ivanka, Don Jr., are reaching out to Meadows so they can't. You know, he is the one that everybody knows is right next to um, Trump's shoulder and ear on January 6th. And what a place to be. And I'm sure uh, Jack Smith's uh, prosecutor walked him through minute by minute. What did he say? And then third, he really is the guy. He, I mean, what you just gave, the example of what of Hannity and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, he, he gets himself I think in big trouble, and he's just a a pair a 
terrible chief of staff because he just tries to placate everyone. People call and say, oh, you got to make him stop. Oh, we're trying. We're trying. People call and say, oh, I've got these names. Oh, great. Send them along. So he's a suck up at, at the same time as a kind of coward. Uh, I'll go with those words. I, unfortunately, they don't start with M. We could probably think of think of it. Um, mendicant? Nah, whatever. But, um, uh, <laughs> you know, and that, and I don't know if he's a, a moron, but I know he's in a, the, a world of hurt. And to me, the most, and I thought I've said this for months, the most interesting uh, kind of prosecutorial strategic decision, do you give him immunity? Terwilliger, is a very good lawyer and playing him for all it's it's worth and he would make that play but normally i i think meadows is second only to trump in in culpability and facilitating his um knowing all about and facilitating his uh illegal plans and normally that guy would be too high up in my view for to get immunity as opposed to a some kind of sweetheart deal but we'll see a really interesting thing that's happening right now is Donald Trump's received a target letter we don't know about anybody else who has it's a conspiracy that means he couldn't act alone which you 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 know better than anyone he can't act alone any to get a diet coke um, right. But um, uh, how's it going to play? Will it be possibly just USA versus Trump and persons known and unknown to the grand jury? Will they be named? So how will the co-conspirators come in? But to me, co-conspirator number one, Mark Meadows. Yeah, so maybe Rudy I'm Giuliani. not so sure. Maybe I, Rudy yeah. So so I wanted to add a few more. I believe that Donald Trump is responsible as probably everyone that's listening to this podcast. However, I don't think that there's a number two. Uh -huh. I don't think it's one person who's a number two. I think Rudy Colludi, Drunken Giuliani. I think Bernie Kerrick, Jason Miller, Mark Meadows, of course, is part of that group. Bill Stepien, Hope Hicks, Dan Scavino, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner, They're all tied for Don two Jr., in your Eric. They're all sort of tied. They all are. And tell me about Kim, Kerrick, yep. who's figuring in so much now. I, you know, he goes. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to we're gonna get to we're all gonna right, get I'm to sorry, Kerrick in a minute. Yeah, it's your right? show. It's your okay. show. Okay, but you know, because so I appreciate that, but. You know, you brought up something that I that I want to talk about, and that's um, obviously uh, additional charges yeah. that will be brought against Trump, because there's a lot of expectation right now that Trump will be charged this week. Harry, in your professional opinion, do you believe that this will be the end of it in terms of federal indictments? Or do you foresee more charges in terms of superseding indictments? And if so, what do you think those charges would be? And maybe against who? Yeah, really good question. I foresee more. In general, I just, again, there's Trump has one escape route. If he manages to either he or a Republican becomes elected and they tell him to stand down. But otherwise, I think the department is going to the end of the line on this the most important case they've ever prosecuted. So um, w when you say additional, we first have to see what is in there. Are there, for example, other people charged with Trump? But Trump's not going to be the only one who's charged. And it, it, you know, I just don't see how that how that can uh, be if you're really, um, you know, um, committed to a comprehensive um, working of this entire case. 
Um, I would put Giuliani in the crosshairs, Meadows in the crosshairs, Jeff Clark in the crosshairs, and just and that's just for starters. Um, and then you know there are there are we know he's looked into we we hear all these things oh he's looked into this looked into that it doesn't seem to fit with the immediate uh, thing he's doing that's right because he's gathering a lot of evidence so fundraising we know he's uh, Smith has really been into but it doesn't look like it's going to be yep. part of uh, this indictment will the DOJ story factor in i think generally speaking michael the the six is it six kind of plots that the january 6 committee um spun out as well as the seventh that is smith's contribution of fundraising are all gonna gonna be pushed to the end it's not just a matter of um, you know, one and done with Trump be- because they're committed now to this notion that Trump is to be treated like others. And in the case of this enormity, you wouldn't you wouldn't just stop. You now you would have worked your way up. This is part of the huge criticism DOJ has faced for going too slow and not mm-hmm. go. But but in any event, uh, there that we have the all the president's man aspect of this, as we did with Watergate, which was a really important part of the kind of national reckoning. That's got to happen here, I think, also. And then with Trump himself, you can imagine just whatever comes out this week or soon uh, being itself superseded as against uh, Trump, just to sort of add people, I'd say. I think they've settled on the basic charges here and, and in particular settled on not bringing a specific insurrection charge of the sort that some people were anticipating. I not among them. But, um, you know, I, I think these are the charges you'll see against Trump. And if it's a superseding, it'll be to add other people. So, you know, personally, and I know this is going to sound a little bit off off key for yeah. me. I don't want I do not want to see more superseding indictments against additional people yeah. and so on. I, I really don't. You made this and I'm clear. Tell you, you have the a reason why. Not, you have a sense of, yeah, na- not of the national interest here, I think, right? Yeah. Like, I, Look, do I think that Giuliani is guilty? Absolutely. And again, it's my opinion. Bernie Kerrick? Absolutely. Ivanka and Jared? Absolutely. But I also think that they're government informants. The reason I don't want to see the Hope Hicks, the Dan Scavinos, the Mark Meadows with superseding indictments, because it plays right into the hands of Donald J. Trump. And that's his playbook. Delay, delay, delay. If oh, there well, are wait, superseding let me, let me indictments, make a, an important I believe. I, One important, which is I, I'm talking about longitudinal 2028, et cetera. I'm not talking about pre-2024. So he'll either have won oh, or lost. Okay. But I'm saying that that's how it'll play out. He might be superseded before. I'm just saying, you know, this is a long-term proposition. See, my hope yeah. is that... One of these cases, and I do, and I say it all the time, I believe the Alvin Bragg case is going to be the one that nails Trump right in those nuts, right? It's going to be a steel tip boot right to the nutsack for Donald, all right, with Alvin Bragg case. I know the documents, I know the testimony clearly, you and I know exactly testimony. what's going on there. <laughs> and, well, it's, it's more than just me. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, certain, that it's not a difficult case to prove, Unlike January 6th, I thought, unlike with Georgia, right, where he's going to claim, you know, 
they stole 11,780 votes from us. So I wanted them back. And I'm not pressuring anybody. I, if I was going to pressure somebody, I would have gotten onto Air Force One and gone to Georgia right. and seen him personally. And like I did with Hillary, I stood over her back with my gigantic, massive, fat-ass body, right? And I would drip orange shit from my face onto, you know, into his coffee. I mean, that's what Trump will turn around and say. But the answer is no, no. He's going to turn around and he's fooled himself now. That's the diff. That's a sociopath. He's lied to himself so many times about it that it's easy for him that he'll just turn around. I bet even on a lie detector test, he would say, yeah, I, that I, right? Because he's convinced that's, himself. That's, I guess, the definition of hope, a sociopath. But, but Michael, back yeah. to you. So, I, okay, let's say Bragg is righteous and is convicted. It's not a big hit under New York. Uh, right? Or do, I mean, do you see what do you what do you kind of time? Do you see I don't know. It's, by the way, if it's one to three years, who who right now wouldn't be happy to see that because that would be sort of the um, yeah yeah no it's true but it could well be a non-custodial sentence I think. Well, I don't know. It's a good point. And I and there are some people from New York who say when it when all when the reckoning's all said and done. Okay, so fair enough. Uh, sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. Yeah, so my, my look again, my hope is just that we stop with the delays because yeah. the delays, the delays are what's destroying this country right now. It's what's giving Donald oxygen to breathe, to breathe this bullshit, you know, um, presidential run, this grifting that he's so good at doing. Um, it's actually his campaign platform. He that is, I'm being indicted and I'm, I'm retribution for you. But look, on the delay point, that then I think you should be happy about what's coming soon because it depends who they draw in DC. But I, I see it as going before everyone, with the possible exception of Bragg. So, so let me ask you this then: as someone who knows what goes into prosecuting and defending a federal indictment, yeah. what do you think, Harry? It'll be like when both these cases actually go to trial next year um, against the backdrop of the GOP primaries. Remember, the Bragg case, even though it's state, uh, is March of 2024. And then I believe um, Eileen Cannon, uh, it's July of 2024. So May. just as she soon as he's May, finished. But who knows when it'll be, yeah. Or, okay, let's even say May. So, you know, right after they finish with the Bragg case and he gets beaten up there, it's almost like putting a boxer after a 12-rounder, right, where both, you know, where both sides aren't walking out looking too clean, right, a good full 12-round fight. Now he's starting all over again with no time to recoup. You know, I think that's a great analogy, by the way. How, let me tell you how to work as a prosecutor, I think. No, well, that's because I was watching Rocky the other day. Oh, worry. okay. Um, well, actually, no, let me Rocky, rephrase that. Rocky, it wasn't Rocky. Rocky's it wasn't Rocky. Rounds. It, it was Creed. Yeah, no, no, but Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Well, those, yeah, are the, you know, they, those they were changed, the old days. They changed to 12 rounds a little later. Um, I think I'm the youngest person, this is apropos of nothing, to maybe to have seen the a Lee Frazier fight in person. That's a, that's for another day. And, and, and when we, when you take me to your great restaurant in New York. Okay. So um, you were just talking about all the things he'll say axiom number one for the trial, Donald Trump will not testify. Donald Trump cannot testify. And there are certain things Agreed. that he'll try to, that he wants to make for his defense that only he really can put in because as to other people, 
they are hearsay. We don't have to too much bore your listeners, but they don't come in if he tries to introduce them. However, they do come in if the government tries. So what's it going to be like? At least the DOJ ones. I'm worried that Fonnie Willis will not be like this and it'll be a whole like trip up river. And I'm not sure about Bragg, but it will be a shock and awe Boom, 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 clean, fast presentation with, you know, just greatest hits, greatest hits and dispense with everything else by Jack Smith's team uh, on the on for either. Um, certainly that'll be true of the, the documents if and when they get to them, though, asterisk there. And I think even this as well, though, we'll know better when we see the indictment. And basically, uh, by the way, Trump has to attend. It's a it'll be a constitutional re- requirement. He can't he can't be on the husting. So he'll attend all the time and then maybe come out at the end of the day and have a press conference. And then his defense case will be like a day and a half. And jury deliberations, you know, at least in D.C., I mean, we can talk about will there be a holdout, but that's what it'll look like. It'll be really sort of streamlined and just boom, 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 seismic, and he'll have nothing. Uh, that That's what it'll be. And, you know, is there a chance of that some um, dishonest juror who doesn't follow his or her pledge gets through and there's a, a hung jury? Yeah. The the um and and would Trump play that as a victory? Yeah, and would the DOJ retry him? Yeah, even though now yeah. it's against the the timeline. But that's what it will look like. How does it play against? I mean, I think we know already how it plays. It it seems to me much smarter people than I say that by the time the first trial happens, we'll have had Super Tuesday, and he'll already be effectively the nominee and then the question becomes how does it play in the general election with biden you know i'm a an optimist and i it just seems to me that that you know more and more you uh you know his um comparative uh you know look with biden get erodes and yeah everybody I, it's just the nature of polls and and our cynical society if you ask do you like biden everyone says no do you like to, you know but but that the comparison will look a little bit better and a little bit better uh because you know trump is is getting judged of pretty serious stuff and he already starts in the whole so to me, uh, it, it's we're talking about the general election, and we're talking about you know little by little um, a a race opening up to Biden's advantage. That last part is is just me, you know, as a total amateur, I, you know, I don't really uh, know crap about it, but it's my it makes sense to me that that's how it would go. So Harry, you think there's a zero percent chance that Trump takes the stand? Zero. Yes. I mean, do you I've think- said this before and like, you know, I, I on on MSN they say well, zero. There's a zero but but yeah, I'm going axiom number 1 as that I've coined is Trump will not testify. So, let me translate into 0.5%, but I'm for purposes of punditry, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, put draw the line at how about this? The, no the reason fucking yeah. way. <laughs> that's zero the, the to reason, you or 0.01? I don't know. Yeah, but he can't. No, that's, Talk that's about a bloodbath. Oh, my God. So let's not forget, though, that Trump did appear for depositions, 
right, when it came to the E. Jean Carroll case, right? And everybody, of course, said the same thing, that there's no way that he's going to be able to testify. And I, I, bring, that, I bring that to your attention no, no, because no, but he, but, in yeah, the lawsuit, yeah. in the lawsuit that he filed against me in Southern District of Miami for $500 million, that fraudulent, ridiculous case, he now is going to have to be deposed. Right. The court is mandating that he be deposed within the next 45 days. And so I don't know how then he can sit for a deposition in this specific case where he's opening himself up to everything. And trust me, my lawyers, Danya Perry, Ben Brodsky, they're going to take him and his asshole attorney to pieces. But putting all that aside, why would he be able to sit for a deposition in that case, but not sit for a criminal, right, for this trial, um, considering they both carry the same penalties of perjury? Because it's a civil case. So if he if he doesn't if he invoke the only thing he can do is invoke the Fifth Amendment and in a civil case you can use that against him and 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 tell the jury at every turn this shows this this shows that this shows the the third thing in a criminal case where by the way a big white collar mob case the the sort of standing assumption is the defendant doesn't testify he take you know the, he'll he'll have the choice at the end of the government's case to try to argue beyond a reasonable you know that there's a reasonable doubt or take the stand and eliminate everything because all because at that point uh every, he he gets totally eviscerated on and he has to answer questions that he that he wouldn't otherwise have to answer in a civil case he's got to either answer or invoke and you can you, you know the judge will instruct a jury if they may may draw no adverse inference from Trump's uh, not taking the stand in a criminal, of course they do, but they, you know, that they'll be instructed. But, 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 but with wait, you, wait, 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 it'll be the opposite. You may are you your guys will argue to the jury if to, if he invokes the fifth. Uh, you can assume that here's why he did it. He's guilty, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's like you know the worst of both worlds for him in a civil case. But in that in that case, Harry, he's the plaintiff. I'm the defendant. I yeah. mean, whoever heard of a plaintiff? Whoever heard of a plaintiff wanting to take the fifth in their own case? I mean, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. That's right. You well, know? a lot of things so, don't make so a lot of sense this. in Trump world, as you knew before all of us. But yeah. Well, that's that was part of the strength of his um, of his ability to grift. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Do you foresee the GOP attempting to impeach Biden on some, let's just say, ridiculous set of charges for the sole purpose of throwing smoke against Trump's indictments? You see that happening? Yeah, I don't know if that would be the sole purpose. So, look, it seems to me McCarthy is a totally weak speaker hanging on by his fingernails they've already had an impeachment um resolution introduced i think by bobert there are people who want to to do it i mean there are you we saw yesterday hearings with all kinds of crap and this is something i've studied you know about hunter biden that has nothing to do with joseph biden so you know um, when the first impeachment came up, I, I was a little scared to be too vulgar. Nah, I don't even want to use this phrase, but it involves a dog. 
uh, and and uh, the and the answer to the riddle is because they can. So um, it, the the reason it's a little hard to to predict, but it's very plausible, is because McCarthy is so weak. And if the um, you know mad uh, frothing uh, group on the on the right um, have have it's either his job or or his agreeing to do it then uh, he's going to agree, except what he would do, there'd still be a couple little steps. He would have, I think what he would agree to do is some kind of investigation about whether we should give some opportunity for a safety valve for things to cool off. It's not going to be in their interest to to do. But of course, the, this this crowd doesn't act in the in the Republicans' interest. They act in their personal interest. The Marjorie Taylor, what, what's her nickname for? And and then Michael Toilet, uh, because you know she's she becomes a, she's a superstar in her own um, uh, district and can raise a lot of money. It's etc. So the question is, can he it's not there's no quest there's no issue as there might have been in the past about Harry, what's good. Harry, Let me finish one Harry. point. Yeah. Uh, there's no issues there might have been in the past for it what's to the good of the country. But it's not it's not to the good of the Republican Party, but is McCarthy too weak even knowing that to hold them back? So I'll just say it's a little bit of a weaselly response to your question, but it seems quite plausible to me. I'll, I'll kind of put it there. But it's it's so much not in their interest that the question is whether McCarthy has the will have the stature to just to just push back on the on the rabid uh, crowd. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's no. I was going to say you can bet your bottom dollar. You know that Marjorie, you know, toilet uh, is going to try to do something stupid and ridiculous oh. and yes you're and right want credit she for is it. 100 remember that she was all upset that yes right, exactly yes and i mean she is definitely the bell of the clan ball there's no doubt <laughs> about that and you know the fact that the fact that trump is still to this day leading the gop the fact that even you believe and i believe it as well that he w- is the presumptive nominee of the GOP, of the Republican Party, despite the fact being twice impeached, indicted twice, soon to be thrice. I forget. Are we on video here? Can people see us? We are. Okay, because it's because... I know. It is stupefyingly (laughs) crazy that that's where we are in this country now. Stupefying. I just did a a podcast on back in 2015. Your, Your name figured in. Was there compromise? What's the real story? And man, eight years later that we are fighting this battle, and it's an existential battle, it's stupefying and and tragic. And tragic is right. I mean, here we are sitting there and we're trying to explain to a whole group of people, to Americans, and I don't care if you I Look, clearly, there's something wrong with these people that are backing Trump, that are continuing to donate to this grift campaign yeah. of his, where you have a guy who's twice indicted, twice impeached, soon three times uh, to be indicted, maybe four, who was found guilty of sexual assault, who has lost basically every single battle in the court that he has come up against, including, and most importantly, 
all of the allegations of election fraud, what was it, like 60 legal actions, all of them were dismissed as lacking any legitimate basis to bring them. And yet this guy is the presumptive nominee. It's like, wake up, people. Now, I don't know whether it's your desperate need for white privilege. I don't know whether it's because everyone in the Klan is doing it, so you should do it too. This bullshit about protecting your Second Amendment rights and Biden's coming for your guns, that's all bullshit. I mean, it's like, what is it that he, that he possesses that these people are so enamored with that they cannot extricate themselves from the cult? And when you ask them, folks like David I mean, you know, when he goes and he trolls them, uh, you know, and he asks them questions like, um, is Donald Trump the best president ever in the history of the United States? Absolutely. Could you name one thing that he did that benefited you? Now, the country was just in a much better place. That's not an answer. Basically, what shows is that you don't know what you're talking about, so you come up with a genetic overbroad statement in order to prove your, you know, that the answer that you gave is accurate. And I just, I can't figure out, like you, I'm like, I'd like to punch myself in the head because I'm stupefied. Yeah, I mean, look, this is something, being on the other side of things, it, it, I, I feel like sometimes, am I being arrogant or um, elitist or pretentious that it, it, it doesn't seem like normal policy uh, debates where they, you know it just seems that on one side is truth, democracy, rule of law, public uh, interest and on the other are lies, fraud, megalomania. It seems so clear, but, you know, 40% of the country... Racism, sexism, misogyny, xenophobia, homophobia, I, Islamophobia, I, you know, right? anti-Semitism, it's all there. Okay, but so people, all I'm saying is people are... We, there's a lot of, I think, you know, historians will still be coming to grips with, as they did in the for the civil rights era, for Reconstruction, what is the explanation for and again his support he's never had never had a majority of the country it's only by the quirks of the electoral college system that he's been able to leverage a uh, minority um, support into national power nevertheless he has and you know i i um th this is me trying calmly to um re re reprise my um, pounding of my head just a moment ago. It's deeply perplexing, but that's all secondary. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it can be, is it is it just you know uh, owning the libs? Are there is it real things about immigration or whatever? It just doesn't matter. It's all so secondary to the existential assault on the rule of law and the constitutional norms. And I, he's already said if he's elected, he's going to eviscerate, uh, you know, all the the norms of, for example, the, you know, DOJ separation from the White House, the things he'll do vis-a-vis -vis Russia. It's, it's just first and foremost, uh, there's such an important job to do to just you know, keep him out of power. And and unfortunately, I, I wouldn't normally think it's 
a huge existential point to that a Republican not win. But given the Republicans in play, if they're going to um, scuttle an investigation and keep accountability of this most serious, you know, transgression by a a president in our history, I'd say, then that then they're real. Then that's a, a begins to be an existential threat as well. So. The analysis we'll be doing for decades and decades, but the but the therapy, the cure, the shock treatment of keeping him the frig out of uh, the the White House just ha- has to be a you know total obsession of patriots. Yeah, I mean, the second he opened his mouth and he said, "I am your vengeance," right? That should have scared the shit out of the Republicans mm. that are sending money. That should scare yeah. the shit out of every single American. Mm. To, I mean, who knows how far that he will look. He wants to rewrite the Constitution. Can you imagine? While he's at it, why doesn't he rewrite You know, uh, of course he can't. He, he, he only the got, Bible? Yeah, he can't read. He doesn't know what's in there, but you're right. He wants to... And, and you know, he's got now... He's got a new Ten Commandments. Right. You know, he's got a whole new set of Ten Commandments that, that he thinks should take precedence over, you know, the original Ten Commandments. I mean, that's how narcissistic he is. Well, yeah, he said, well, how narcissistic, even for him, the, um, you know, said the the statement last week of if I'm indicted, you know, basically the country will burn that, you know, that's like some crazy, you know, talk, you know, messianic kind of sociopathy, isn't it? But but, um, you know, he um, he doesn't know from the Constitution, but there are groups around, by the way, kind of a government in exile doing white papers and the like. And if he wins, he's going to claim some kind of mandate. I, it just goes. I, I think about Adam Schiff a fair bit. I thought that um, when Trump first got in, he would have some grownups around him. And then I thought after the impeachment, you know, OK, he caught it with his hand in the cookie jar and chastened and Adam Schiff. Oh, no. And you were you were on this refrain, too, Michael, to be fair. I was saying he's going to do it again and again and again. And son of a bitch, he re- I mean, he just got more and more brazen, self-serving and anti-democratic with, with and and here he is the presumptive nominee. I, I, I don't want to do that again. People will think I'm a little nuts, but <laughs> but, you know, pretend I did. I mean, it's crazy. So, you know, we were talking about Bernie Kerrick. Yeah. So let's jump back into that as a topic. Yeah, and you thought a he's a real co-conspirator Obviously, here. Uh, but because, yeah, yeah, I have I have yeah. I have no I have no regard for this yeah. guy. But okay. just for my listeners, so you know, Bernie Kerrick is the former New York Police Department commissioner who turned disgraced Trump lackey and felon. Bernie Kerrick and felon. That's right. Agreed to turn over 2000 pages of documents relating to his work on behalf of Trump to overturn the results of the 2020 election. So my question to you, Harry, is how significant do you believe that these documents will prove to be in making the government's case? Zero or a little bit more. So what they are, he he is the reason he had been claiming attorney-client privileges because he is dispatched supposedly working for Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and, and you know, turning up uh, any kind of rock and finding nothing. And we have a judicial opinion that says he found nothing. And I think the reason Trump wants to, you know, waived attorney-client privilege, if, if, if he had it, was um, that he thinks 
one, it will show some kind of methodical search, really looking for, you know, the uh, the the fraud here. And and two, um, that there'll be some self-serving statements in there. But I don't see why the government would want to introduce them. And it's not going to be easy, I think, um, for it's a, this this gets into arcane like evidence law, but for the, the um, defense. But anyway, what they are. I, we think is just a whole bunch of, you know, went went here to um, Michigan and asked if there was fraud and uh, there wasn't uh, or, you know, or he tries to prevaricate. But a judge, a federal judge has found there is nothing there. And and Trump has already waived it. What's interesting is whether it's a prelude to Trump's possibly trying to make an advice of counsel defense, which would require him to waive attorney-client privilege. And so that could be part of the reason because he normally does fight. But I think he wants these out there because they make him look good. That's how it was designed to be, even even if nothing big comes up because there was nothing big um, there. But, you know, the government gets these papers. They have these notes. They have them now. I wouldn't make that part of my case in chief. Why would I? So I, I, I think they're, they go to the dustbin probably. So there's a likely possibility, because I agree with you, that Trump will use this to throw Rudy under the bus. But Rudy ain't going under the bus alone, Bernie. <laughs> so let me tell you, I mean, you know, you know what it's like inside, as do I. And I'm certain that they're willing to throw your ass under the bus again. The thing I didn't fully You're talking about Rudy here. Is, yeah. 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 Uh, and Bernie Kerrick as well. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if they end up bringing a superseding, uh, superseding indictment against both Giuliani and um, well, it is why and, I and asked Bernie you. Carrick is a is a Trump, you know, lackey. I agree, and uh, but I, I'm not sure how he figures in the whole nasty, uh, you know, nest of activity in uh, you know he's 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 a guy going out as a sort of. Um, you know, almost pathetic investigator here searching for the true fraud. I don't know, but but maybe I don't I don't see him down the middle. But there's it's a really good point to always remember. Um, you know, Smith knows so much more than we do for one reason or another. Some witness talks, and then that's the big frenzied story of the of the news cycle on cable TV that day. But it's like a pebble, and Smith has a mountain, and you know we'll we'll find mm -hmm. out when we see the indictment. And the first thing I'm looking for when I see that indictment is Mark Meadows, <laughs> either by name yeah. or not. Yeah, you and I both. So well, since we're talking about Jack Smith, let me ask you this: What's your estimation of Jack Smith using uh, Section 241? That's the criminal statute. That's part of the Ku Klux Klan Act that prohibits any conspiracy yeah. designed to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the constitutional laws of the United States. Now, some people have called it a brilliant legal move, while others believe that it's a real stretch. What's your opinion on this? That we don't know yet because we don't know the theory. The number one thing to me, first of all, this was the surprise statute, as it's been uh, called. The other two we expected. 
And um, we um, really want to, the, the number one thing is that it stands in the stead of, or at least they're not bringing an insurrection charge, which people were speculating they might, and which would, on the one hand, seem to get to the heart of what happened on January 6th, but be, but on the other, for many reasons, be very hard to pin against Trump. So first thing is I, that, that I note about 241 is it ain't insurrection. Then um, is it brilliant? I, I, so it, just as you say, Michael, it's somebody, and it doesn't even have to be under color of law. This is, you know, the Ku Klux Klan uh, totally, uh, you know, beating up on the new, the newly freed citizens. Um, who who took rights from whom? That's what we want to know. And so far, there are theories that go very, very broadly, like, oh, well, it's all of us, 88 million voters, who, and our votes were diluted, um, or uh, even very sort of narrow, like the members of Congress. Now, to me, a lot of the theories out there, while they make sense, seem duplicative of the charges that already we know are going to be brought under those other two statutes involving, say, false electors or the um, pressure campaign against Pence. So the real in order to judge, we really have to see um, what is the theory of 241? Is it and it, does that make it a master stroke? Is it or is it even duplicative? The, the 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 main point to me is what it isn't and that we already know exactly what it is we need to to see the indictment for you know so when i said to you before that there's so much shit that's just piling up on trump's head every single day right. state federal you know civil uh, civil you name yeah. it Right, you mean Carol okay. Wright, that so, January trial is going to hold. It's going to be a, a massacre, right? Yeah, it's going to be another. It'll be another shit yeah. show, right? So let's discuss for a second the looming charges in Georgia, yeah. Fulton County, right? Where DA Fannie Willis is signaling right now that she could bring charges as early as next week. Now, in all fairness, we've been hearing that for months now on what would be a sweeping racketeering charge using Georgia's broad RICO statute. Now, the case will likely rest on Trump's attempt to pressure Brad Raffensperger and Sidney release the Kraken Powell's uh, team of plumbers breaking into Dominion software. Do you believe, Harry, that there is a strong case here? And how do you think that the state charges will impact the federal charges? Really compelling questions. I'll start with the first. I don't know because I think it depends how things are charged. The core case, the December 2nd call with Raffensperger audio tape, you know, the, the wet dream of prosecutors. I shouldn't put it that way. It's too late. Too late. Um, but um, great small case. She's, however, bringing an enormous case, and it goes well outside of Georgia, would appear, because that's what it'll be to try to prove that not just that Trump and company um, messed with the election, but that they were actually a criminal enterprise. To me, it's the kind of case, I mean, as I got more experienced as a prosecutor, I got more and more um, adamant about winnowing down, simplifying taking low-hanging fruit, and she's got the whole friggin' jungle. So I'm just worried 
that uh, it will be sprawling, caught up in all kinds of motions, uh, and the really core behavior that's so strong, you know, it will be a while until it's done. Because this is, as you and others have noted, it's an important part of the overall arsenal that the country brings against Trump because there's no possibility of a pardon. And even, by the way, under Georgia law, some people said, what if the Republican governor pardons? But a, a nice little point for people to know is it doesn't work that way in Georgia. There's a nonpartisan board. And, you know, that so if those charges um uh, and they and they can be serious under georgia law we've talked briefly about what what would the sentence be for for new york so i think there's a strong case there but from what we learned with the um special grand jury report which by the way he gets he gets beat up every single day just just today he lost the motion to have that special grand jury report uh uncovered there's, I think, a, a a big way and a small way, and it seems to I'm I'm be concerned that this could go for like over a year in pretrial litigation and then be a three month trial. Whereas what I'd really like to see is a really clean uh, conspiracy to interfere with the election with the very solid evidence that they that they have. So that again will await the indictment. But from the things they say, her instinct, and she's done it before. She she's she knows from you know state Rico, but her instinct of going really broad at least um conflicts with my instinct as a prosecutor and um you know, it you can you can see a scenario where it all just kind of kind of you know ends ends in nothing. Let me ask you this then, because it appears that Jack Smith is honing in on what happened as well in Arizona yep. with their slate of these fake electors um, and the pressure campaign against Governor Doug Ducey, who is now cooperating to build a larger case against Trump. So if you would, can you unpack for my listeners how that will play into the larger strategy and what will likely come out as evidence? Happy to. And you know who else is pursuing it? The, the Arizona authorities, as Michigan just did, as Georgia is doing. So first, um, important accountability in its own right. These these jackasses at the time were, were thinking they were just playing politics, lying to the archives, lying to Congress and saying, oh, we're the actual electors. So so the state authorities where <laughs> it should be are are, um, you know, uh, bringing bringing it home. But we do know that Jack Smith has been doing it, especially for their nine states involved. But seven are worse than others. And two or three are really bad, like Michigan, where they had to actually lie and say we met in the Capitol when they had done nothing of the sort. And what Smith is doing is building a, it seems to me, we'll know when we see, it could be, by the way, the 241 count, or it could be the, the 371, the conspiracy against the U.S. But he's taking these state actors. And remember, I was just talking about Mark Meadows, and there are people who want to be beholden to Trump and others who don't. These are people who have futures in their state who, you know, Donald Trump's not going to, to make their uh, bones. And so they're very good cooperating witnesses. And Smith, I think, is about now getting a a um, very nice 
set of conspiracy charges that begin with these false electors, but go to the Oval Office because he's got evidence. Trump talks directly to somebody in Nevada and Meadows goes down to Georgia and says these things. This is all part of the false electors. And Trump is in on a phone call with others of them. So um, the states are doing their own, you know, this uh, accountability for the state actors who lied. But Smith is bringing a conspiracy that begins well, it doesn't necessarily begin with them, but that includes them and actors up to and clearly including Donald Trump. That's a that's a sweet conspiracy in the you know yeah. mindset of a federal prosecutor. And it starts with people who are really naturals for cooperating witnesses. Remember Rusty Bowers in January 6th, you know, a Trump supporter, but he got up and just told the truth about what Trump had told him. That was compelling evidence. That's the kind of conspiracy case. That's the, you know, the sort of bottom up part that that Smith, I think, is building. I don't see why things are going as slow as they are. Now, I don't mean at all to pick on Jack Smith. I actually think that Jack Smith has moved in sure. an incredibly, incredibly expeditious mm -hmm. manner. I'm talking about DOJ, it, you know, as, as a whole. I think if DOJ, I think if Merrick Garland would have moved quick, um, had Alvin Bragg brought the case a year earlier, we'd be already done with that. Um, I don't understand what the delay is in the attorney general's case here in New York, despite the fact that is also civil in nature. But I don't understand where all of these delays are coming from. And I want to then sort of draw your you know, attention to Rudy Colludi, drunken Giuliani. And it blows my mind that this piece of shit hasn't been charged yet in any in any of the offenses that they're looking at him for these federal indictments. For God's sakes, they went, they raided. I was outside, I was walking on Madison Avenue, and all of a sudden I see a whole bunch of fucking feds and police. The whole street is basically cornered Let's just off. call them and feds and police. Let's just call, let's stay with feds and police on right. <laughs> As a talking also, fed, so a, a let me just say... <laughs> So I so I I see a friend of mine uh, walking on the street as well who happens to live in the building. And I said, oh, everything all right? What happened? Uh, the feds raided Rudy's apartment. They're walking out with like 20 boxes of shit. And that's now what, two years ago? And so, well, you know that if Rudy's hands touched something, and especially touching Donald Trump's shit, you know that there's illegality all over it. So, I mean, I don't understand why he hasn't been charged yet in any of these federal indictments. So my question to you is, is there a chance that he will flip or that he already has to save himself? Do you think that they offered him something that uh, now or do you think that they're saving him for later? All right. So you're saying that you're making a Giuliani point and a general and the general point is a little bit old news, I think. But I'm identified as sort of hawkish or, or relatively pro DOJ. And my so just let me I'll just quickly reiterate that, you know, um, a, a few uh, points. First, um, 
cases take a long time to build generally, uh, you know, like right now in Pittsburgh is the trial about the Tree of Life massacre in 2018. And, you know, it, that's just how it happens. Uh, in general, it's unclear if they should have gone both top down and bottom up. But there's an argument that they should have what I have. And, and I also I think it's fair that they went a little bit slower than they could have before Jack Smith. But I really resist. And I'm not saying you're saying this, Michael, but some people are out there, you know, the notion that that somehow um, Garland was, you know, derelict or political or cowardly. So let's put that to the you know, the, I'm, that's that's just we're sort of rehashing old news. But I know, but I know I was sort of on identified on one side of this. Um, but then so Giuliani, he can't get Oscar. First of all, he's he is facing the music at bar things and with, you know, been fa with uh, different, uh, you know, just uh, the, the Carrick litigation itself that that concerned him and the total embarrassment he made of himself in a Pennsylvania court. My short answer to you is that he will not um, escape accountability here i don't know if they an interesting thing in stark contrast to meadows it's not clear they need him or want him what an erratic way to, you know next to trump the cross-examination of rudy giuliani would be you know a total bloodbath and he he may be a useless or you know he's a crazy old old dude who i i think i don't say this with any um relish but i actually think he's not you know he's got he's going kind of kind of soft or something. You know he's not quite had doesn't have all his marbles. Will say anything. He's not a valuable witness, so that's part of it too. But I so I'm not sure they would have offered him a deal. But I do think his day is coming, and as part of the overall yeah, point I've made in the that you know the long term that the Department of Justice will see this through, it will include uh, retribution for you know. The former U.S. attorney, America's mayor, lo, how the mighty have fallen, Giuliani. Not quite as colorful a nickname as you, but remember who he was and what he's become. Yeah, Talk sure. about a bizarre you know, turn of events and why, why he, how he did it to himself. If everything that Trump touches dies, you know, he, wow. No, he's proof positive. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you so one last yeah, question, shoot. because as you know, Harry, the hour goes does, by yeah. very quickly when you and I yeah. are sitting in bullshit. We need a disagreement. Have we had a I disagreement? So, well, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Yes, one or two. But I want to change gears briefly, and I want to discuss with you Jim the Jerkoff Jordan's insane campaign as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, their select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. You know, when I heard that he was starting this thing, I was like, okay, great. That's the fucking name of my book, Revenge. How Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. So I was like, oh, great. All the dirty shit that they did to me because you talk about, oh, the slowness of Merrick Garland and, and, and so on. My fucking case was 48 hours from a Friday to a Monday. So this nonsense about it taking forever doesn't really sit well with me. But when I watch Jimbo's nonsense and the bullshit that he continues to spew, what's your take on what's happening here? Do you think that he's just mentally insane and honestly believes what he's saying? Or do you think that there's something deeper here, more sinister at play, where you know, he's trying to counter-program against 
all of the Trump crap, these Trump indictments, by creating this completely false narrative that the FBI and that the DOJ are out to get conservatives. I'm on the more sinister side. This is neither me as legal expert me nor me as political amateur, just me as a guy. He looks to me like a guy who knows he is lying through his teeth with everything he says, and it's all theater, and he's just decided his political ticket is to be a, a, you know, a venomous bastard and say thing after thing after thing that he knows is total horseshit. That's who Jim Jordan is to me. That's what this whole um, effort is. You know, I'm not I, I, with the DSM five or whatever the new manual be. Uh, say <laughs> That's that, psychological I, disorder. I don't, I don't, but to me, he looks like a knowing liar there. There, I said it. You know how you know that he's lying? When he starts to sort of go porky pig on you, right? They ask him questions. That's all, folks. And it's the truth. And he cannot get a word out because he knows he's lying and he's trying to find the right words not to be the liar that he is. Listen, Harry, as always, you are great. I appreciate My you pleasure. very, very much. I, I love the insight. I mean, as look, as a former Fed, um, you know, and a prosecutor, um, it's invaluable. I mean, I really wish more people would listen, uh, even though we try to make some fun um, on these topics. There really is no fun here as we are on the precipice of losing our sacred democracy. And for some unknown reason, there's 70 million people. And I don't think it's still that number, but even if it's half of that, yeah. there's 35 million people that still believe that this, that this piece of shit is the fucking Messiah. And I can't figure it out. And I don't know what people like you, Harry, myself, and so many others have to do to sort of ingrain it into their brains and into their soul that this is not the America that they want. Well, if nothing else, keeping our shoulder to the wheel. And Michael, thanks. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And I think you're right. It's both fun, but we get it. We get some education in there, hopefully, with from our particular vantage points. You have a very important one as well. So you 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 were you sounded the alarm pretty early. Well, thank you, Harry, and um, hope to have you back very soon. Have a good one. See you soon. And now for today's mea culpa. In hearing about Rudy Giuliani's admission that he had made false claims about Ruby Freeman and Shai Moss, the two Georgia election workers who were falsely accused of committing election fraud by former President Donald Trump and his allies, I am sickened, truly sickened by how he destroyed the lives of two dedicated and innocent civil servants. Moss testified that she once enjoyed helping people vote. As a black woman, she said, it was especially important to her because a lot of people, older people in my family, did not have that right. But she and mom lost the joy of service when Donald Trump and Rudy Colludi Giuliani plucked them from their contended obscurity and made them featured players in Trump's destructive lies about an election fraud conspiracy. 
Trump called Freeman a professional vote scammer and hustler. I mean, Giuliani then went on and fixated upon a video of the mother passing the daughter what the latter identified under oath as a ginger mint to claim that they were surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they are vials of heroin or cocaine. The disgusting racist subtext of the language could hardly have been clearer. The result was that these women must live in constant fear of MAGA thugs and racist lunatics. I mean, threats so fucking vile that the FBI advised Freeman, get a load of this shit, to leave her house. A Trump mob even pushed its way into the home of Moss's elderly grandmother to effect a so-called citizen's arrest. In a stunt that speaks vividly to their utter insanity and stupidity, they had pizzas repeatedly sent to the older woman's door. So I know what it's like to be targeted by the President of the United States, and let me be very clear, it's fucking awful, it's terrifying, it's lonely experience. And it must have been doubly horrible for Freeman and Moss. You know why? Because they didn't ask for any of this. And it will undoubtedly have a chilling effect on people helping at the polls as Trump, MAGA, and the GOP have gone on and weaponized the very act of voting. If we were to hold up a single act of why these people must be stopped and even more, why Trump must be put in prison, well, it's this affair. The cynicism, the ugliness, and pure hatred it took to do this sickening shit. I mean, it's time that Trump pays for his actions around the 2020 election. And Rudy should be in the cell right next to him. Because it looks like the day might come, and in in all fairness, my hope, sooner than later. And as always, thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek, our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. 